0: This is Tipping Point, New Mexico on The Rock of Talk, Fox News, KIVA.
1: I'm Paul Gessing.
0: And I'm Wally Drangmeister.
1: I'm president of the Rio Grande Foundation, New Mexico's free market think tank. You can find out more about the foundation at riograndefoundation.org. Well, Wally, another eventful week. And of course, we are hurtling towards Election Day. Uh, Thankfully,. Uh, the president didn't have another debate this week. Of course, who knows? Maybe when he was debating Joe Biden, he was so fired up and angry because his body was in the throes of the coronavirus that he ultimately had. Uh, and now it seems like he is rapidly on the path to recovery. He's back at the White House. So I don't know. For a 74-year-old man with uh, a little bit of a weight problem, he seems to have come through with flying colors, of course. Uh, you know people's experiences with the coronavirus apparently very widely so uh very interesting week
0: yes and it's it is interesting trump he is a force of nature uh the other thing that's interesting is uh you know you read a lot about uh there's always stuff written about the president but they did throw a lot of uh, remediation his way they he has sure. he was taking a lot of things they put the uh everything but the kitchen sink But evidently it worked and he, uh, you know, in the words of, uh, the Jack Nicholson line, I'm back. So
1: yeah, so very quick recovery for the president and, uh, we're all, uh, you know, happy that he is feeling hearty and hale. Uh, he is going to need every bit of that energy, uh, in the next several weeks in order to get reelected. It is looking like a challenging uh, playing field for Mr. President. But uh, our governor is also potentially in the same boat. Allegedly, she was uh, exposed to the virus. It looks like you know she's self quarantined and she is at least concerned enough by this situation that she has uh, you know quarantined for uh, the time being. I guess until she's able to confirm whether she has the virus or not. But yeah, it's uh, the politicians, of course, in Washington D.C. Uh, a lot of them who were around Trump and apparently the Amy Coney Barrett press conference, ironically enough, was one of the vectors. It, I guess the super spreader event is what they're calling these things these days. But uh, that is a very time uh, timely situation in Washington with regard to getting a Supreme Court justice on the bench. And, of course, Chuck Schumer and the Democrats are – Eager to make sure everyone quarantines for about the next month and, uh, and they don't put, uh, Amy Coney Barrett through. But yeah, uh, I guess if the governor does have coronavirus, that would throw another wrench in the whole, uh, situation here with the narrative of who is being careful, who is not, Neil, you know, who's getting the virus and who's not, et cetera.
0: Yes. And, uh, you know, and this is no criticism of, uh, the governor of this party. She is definitely the, uh, the zoom governor, you know, so I'm not sure uh, to the extent that she's feeling well and doesn't come down with symptoms. I don't think it'll impact her, you know, as much as it would have impacted Trump from a campaign point of view, but yeah, so uh, we'll see how that happens. But yes, uh, it is a virus and it, it is easily spread. That has certainly been proven true. You know, the other thing is I look at the virus, uh, it can go away very quickly, and it can come back very quickly. And uh, its uh, it seems like most places that have been very smug about their level of infection early on, they tend to take their turn in the barrel in terms of having a problem. It's not like you can run forever, at least uh, the current stage of treatment and vaccines and, and so forth, or lack of vaccine, I guess you would say.
1: Yeah, and uh, just to be clear, the governor did have an update this past week. Uh, nothing really changed. She is concerned about the rate of spread increasing again. Uh, you know, that is not unique to New Mexico. It's something that's happening in many areas across the country. And you're right, Wally. Uh, regardless of the status of you know, how locked down or non-locked down you are, uh, New York is having issues again, New York City uh you know so we're we're looking at potentially uh you know more ratcheting back in terms of more lockdowns uh less freedom and I hope that is not the case in New Mexico because we have been notoriously slow to reopen uh it's hard to pin down a relationship between states that have locked down uh in you a, a pretty draconian nature, and I'd qualify New Mexico in that regard and states that have uh, been relatively laissez-faire or uh, relatively open, and so it's a, it is a virus, and people will spread it, and uh, you know, it seems that we're just going to continue to learn more and more about this virus, and hopefully we'll have a vaccine, and we can, uh, you know, dispense with some of this uh, virus watching. But it's really hard to figure out a public policy that actually works. To address the virus as a long term issue, you know of course uh, Rio Grande Foundation, we are believers in personal freedom, and this you know this is kind of where a philosophical approach I think has more merit to it, you know, yeah, there's a few weeks flatten the curve to make sure the hospitals aren't overwhelmed, that kind of thing, but overall, we believe in individual liberty, we believe in the constitution, and that is why we came to a conclusion early on that we wanted to reopen New Mexico and not keep it closed. And you know, ultimately, that's the approach we took. And I think having a philosophical underpinning, whether you're a think tank or a politician, it can help you kind of pull through in some of these crisis situations. Yes.
0: And, uh, you know, you, one of the philosophical points is to whether uh, the virus is managed by broad conceptual policy or very minute detail where there's a lot of uh, differences or distinction without difference. And it seems like New Mexico's taking that. It's hands-on. We get down into the nitty-gritty and make some decisions that are, I don't know if they're just not explained or potentially not explainable as to why one business that's very similar to another is treated completely differently.
1: Yeah, and uh, this week we saw that writ large, well, a couple times. Last week on this podcast, we praised the governor somewhat for reopening, at least we thought, reopening bowling alleys. Now, uh, I will say that I did my on-the-ground research on that because I had told you, Wally, that I'd planned to take my kids to the bowling alley last weekend, so this past Sunday. Uh, Unfortunately, when I called around to various bowling alleys, they were only open for league play. And, you know, uh, each bowling alley has different rules in their leagues, and I couldn't quite sign up my children for <laughs> a league on the spot. That wasn't uh, an option. I'm sure we could have worked something out if an innovative bowling alley had kind of thought things through. But uh, the fact is we uh, are not league bowlers, and so we were not uh, allowed to go bowling. So I would say that mostly – Uh, Our bowling alleys in New Mexico outside of military installations are still closed unless you are in a league. Uh, And then the really wacky and uh, strange distinction that the governor is making is, uh, you know, when Mayor Tim Keller and uh, his progressive politics are in conflict with our governor and her progressive politics, it really shows you that uh, the governor just is very, very aggressive in her policies and often without Rhyme or Reason, the uh, city of Albuquerque owns both the zoo as well as the biopark. The zoo has an exhibit with penguins in it, behind glass, in large tanks of water, and people walk in and go look at them. Wally, have you been to the penguin exhibit I
0: have not been to the penguin exhibit
1: are missing out. It okay. is a very nice exhibit. Yeah, I realize Now, that. can I go? Or is you it? can go. The penguins are open, <laughs> Okay, maybe. good. I'll, I'll have to go see the penguins. I believe penguins mm-hmm. have a special force field of immunity to the coronavirus that spreads to human beings, and that's why they are open. I'm being facetious here. But the aquarium, also owned by the city, but down the road at the Biopark, uh, which is uh, more garden, and that's where you do the uh, uh, River of Lights and whatnot, mm-hmm. the aquarium is is still closed because apparently the aquarium was specifically spelled out in the governor's orders saying aquariums are not allowed to reopen.
0: Aquariums, plural, in New Mexico.
1: I I believe that that is really the only public aquarium. <laughs> yeah, in that's the, the state. only
0: one I know of. There may be another one.
1: Yeah, and it's a, it's a lovely thing. Yeah, we it's a, it's fantastic. Time, but yes. it is still closed because apparently fish have a mysterious impact on coronavirus that they push it back into the human body. And, uh, you know, cause illnesses that way. So you could almost take the penguins out of the aquarium, out of the penguin exhibit and stick them in the aquarium and stick all the fish in the penguin exhibit. And it would not you wouldn't notice a big difference in terms of the physical environment that the human beings walking through are in. But, uh, yes, in this topsy turvy world here in New Mexico, one is legal And open and the other is not. And it just makes no sense whatsoever.
0: Uh, I can, I have nothing to add other than, (laughs) yes, amen. I I can see that. So,
1: yeah. uh, And recently, I I believe I talked about it on a recent podcast. I had an opinion piece in the uh, Santa Fe, New Mexican, and Los Cruces Sun News, uh, questioning the governor's policies and the lockdown and pointing out some of the same. Things, Although these recent policies have uh, only uh, you know, recently come about, and I didn't criticize them specifically in the op-ed. But somebody in the Santa Fe, New Mexican, said, you know, basically, what's Guessing's plan or what's the Rio Grande Foundation's plan? And I would just remind folks that uh, we had a plan back in April called Fairly Open, Uh Really, it's essentially Fairly Open New Mexico and the basic idea here is that we should allow small businesses to reopen at the same standards applied to big box stores, and that you know that was a big deal at the time. so there's a little bit of dating here, but basically the idea is to allow businesses or institutions like the like the aquarium to open at a consistent basis based on whatever the best science is that's applied to other facilities similar in nature. Uh, provide detailed plans for reopening, including health criteria to be used for businesses to reopen. We, of course, saw the governor uh, disregard her own spread data and other metrics that she was using. Whether those are indeed the best data or not, she was disregarding those uh, when times were really good. Now, they're not as good. And, of course, that had nothing to do with her uh, opening things unduly because she really didn't. Of course, she'll blame Labor Day holiday, dang, those three-day weekends. Yes. It's always our fault whenever anything bad happens. And, you know, it's, uh, it's just very frustrating. And she should share her models and uh, explain her decisions clearly and concisely to the people. And I I really, you know, I've watched those press conferences, and it just does not make sense. So uh, go check out Fairly Open New Mexico. It's still relevant information And uh, we have had a plan in place since April. Unfortunately, uh, our governor has not necessarily uh, taken any cues from us or uh, Power of the Future, which we worked with on that plan.
0: Yes, and uh, it's interesting how there's, uh, you know, politics is a game of finger pointing and there's a lot of criticism that Washington and the Trump administration doesn't have a plan. You know, under our uh, federalist system here, the states have a lot of control And so, uh, you know, when you say if uh, those who would say there is no plan, uh, maybe Washington is a little far to look to where these plans need to come from, given that the uh, states have incredible power in dealing with uh, with the response to the covid COVID situation. And I
1: made that point in a recent radio interview, uh, you know, uh, talking about President Trump. And he has indeed zigzagged many times on his own approach to the virus and The whole fact that he did contract it, uh, he was not a fan of wearing masks. He spoke kind of in a belittling tone about masks, uh, and that's that's fine, but uh, I do think if he had a consistent approach uh, that he had implemented through his administration, saying, look, we are a different country from virtually any other country across the globe. We have a federalist system in place. We are going to help. The federal government is. We're going to clear the you know, brush and the regulatory burdens to get a vaccine. We're going to do our best to provide PPE and ventilators and all the various things that have been used to uh, help people recover from this virus. But it's ultimately the states who are making the policies because a one-size-fits-all policy uh, for South Dakota doesn't work the same as New York, for California, for New Mexico, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, I wish that the president would have taken a more kind of principled approach and said, look, also, by the way, when states shut themselves down, they are shutting their own economies down, and the federal government is not going to, you know, maybe a a small, reasonable bailout uh, at at some point, maybe, you know, with the airline industry in mind and some various heavy impacted industries, but not a broad-based set of bailouts that are going to happen. You know, we've already had $2.2 trillion, which is unprecedented completely. You know, back when, back in the olden days, 2008, $700 billion was a really big deal. Now right. we're talking triple that size, and we're still looking for more potential bailouts. So, uh, that, you know, just because we've disagreed mostly with the governor, we focus on state policies here at the Rio Grande Foundation, doesn't mean we see what's happened in Washington as completely above reproach. Uh, it is a virus. It's a very tricky thing to get your head around. Uh, but again, it gets back to having those strong principles and, uh, you know, the governor's principle seems to be, well, to quote John Friesling, uh, governor knows best. Yes. That's, that's her principle.
0: Well, yes. And it's one of those, uh, uh, there's no question is, uh, there can be a more hands-off policy basis in which case, uh, as a po- politician, you might not own the outcome in terms of the virus spreading. Uh, I do believe the governor has, uh, purchased and uh holds dearly the outcome mm-hmm. and you know it's one of those it's been it's been okay although there have been some a uh, horrible exception uh, on the navajo nation in the northwest sure. new mexico uh and as i look forward uh One thing looking back, one thing looking forward, Uh, looking back, if we look at uh, the United States and they say, oh, the United States is doing terrible, take New York Mm -hmm. out of the situation. The the U.S. is doing quite well compared to all industrialized and non-industrialized countries in the world. And then the other thing I'm not looking forward to in terms of uh, how you look forward to uh, Easter or Christmas, but when these vaccines come out, there will... Uh, we're gonna see a lot of politics around that in terms of will it be required? There's, uh, there's the ability to require vaccines. And then, uh, depending on who, uh, who's in the White House, you know, uh, if, uh, a Republican in the White is in the White House, does that mean Democrats are less likely to want to take the vaccine and become anti-vaxxers and other way around? So, you know, I'm not sure that this vaccine is going to be an immediate and effective and wonderful thing. You know, I think we have a, you know, we have a long time to go until that really gets to the point where it, it, it solves the problem or at least minimizes it at the point where it's not the, at the front of almost uh, every person's everyday life here in America. So,
1: yeah. And uh, if you go to the world, o meters, coronavirus tracking page by state, And of course, we've said it all the time uh, consistently deaths per million population is the relevant statistic. New Mexico is at 23rd. uh, We're at 24th in the world, ometers, but District of Columbia is included and they're higher than us. So we're 23rd most cases, most deaths per million. Uh, So we're not spectacular. We're not terrible. And yes, you remove the Navajo Nation we look a lot better. You remove New York from the United States, we look, we a, look lot a lot better. better. Yeah. You can play these games all day with the United States and other countries around the world, and and it makes the results look very differently different. And I, I just, it, it, it is what it is, and I, I just don't think you can point to one state or another that said, we've gotten the approach, the lockdown's worked, or you know, any of that kind of, those kinds of statements simply have not panned out to date, and uh, you know, well, they pan
0: out for a period of time, and then they completely exactly. switch. Right. So,
1: now what has panned out is that New Mexico's economy has been massively impacted. That, you know, uh, virus uh, science is something that's very much in the works. Economic science, for all of its many flaws, is very straightforward, and if you Shut down your economy. You will not have much of an economy to, uh, generate tax revenues and to bring, you know, have businesses in the state. Uh, and New Mexico, uh, Governor Michelle Lujan Grisham recently presented at the NAOP, uh, National Association of Industrial Office Properties. Uh, they're a very active chapter here and she did a Zoom presentation to them. The title was Kickstarting New Mexico's Economy. How can business help? And uh, the title nearly made me get uh, upset at my stomach. I'll just leave it at that.
0: Well, give me some other titles. How would you have entitled that presentation, Paul?
1: I would have entitled <laughs> it How uh, How Governor Michelle Lujan Grisham Can Get the Boot of Government Off the Necks of Businesses to Allow Them to uh, you know, re- Restore New Mexico to Freedom and Prosperity. But, uh, you know, yeah, it, businesses want to help. Businesses of all stripes, whether they've been – totally open or totally shut down during this whole crisis. They would love to get back into something resembling normal. Uh, I realize that the governor may or may not have come up with that title, uh, even in her, you know, taking it from her paradigm. So yes. if I'm, if I'm the governor, I would say, uh, reopening New Mexico's economy, how the state and private sector businesses can collaborate to do so safely. And, uh, successfully something along those lines uh hopefully uh, that was just a brain fart by somebody at NAOP or the governor's office because the idea that business is doing anything but trying to reopen and uh, help yes you get an occasional
0: you know there's a rogue business out there there's a few you know what there's rogues
1: in every walk of life but not very many out there exactly so uh I don't know how the presentation went. I do know that we'll talk a little bit more about the economic data later on in the podcast. Uh, but one of the businesses, quote unquote, that has been severely limited through this entire process is education. And we're going to leave aside the very significant impacts on the children, uh, which is really, I think, the main issue that we we should be focused on in the shutdown of our education system. But Uh, yet again, another judge, this time a federal judge, uh, ratified the governor's approach to the virus and, you know, whether she's treating businesses fairly or unfairly, uh, in this case, businesses being private educators and public educators, public education is open up to 50%. And a lot of districts are still virtual, uh, completely virtual, but not all of them are. And, uh, Private schools are only open 25% capacity. And uh, you know, the, the ruling, I read through a news article about the ruling, and sometimes news articles don't do it justice, but I just could not figure out the thread of logic that the judge right. made their decision with. Basically, they said something along the lines of when the uh, 7th to 12th graders are not at, le- at, at all allowed uh, in the classroom right now across the state of New Mexico. And they basically said that if 7 to 12 graders are allowed back in the classroom, then the private schools will have a better case. Uh, yeah, I don't get it. But uh, <laughs> maybe there's some weird logic within the law that uh, caused this judge to rule this way. But, but we
0: don't labor uh, with the uh, the burden of a uh, of a juris doctor and uh, right. a membership in the bar. So, yes, yes. Uh, yeah, I certainly didn't read that, but I will take your word for it because, yes, yeah, sometimes uh, legal logic is not necessarily like other logic. Normal logic, yes. yes.
1: Uh, the more interesting aspect of that case, aside from yet another uh, unfortunate defeat here in New Mexico or deference to the governor and her, uh, I think, overreach, or the at least the law being allowed to uh, enable her to overreach, is the uh, Lujan Grisham administration argued in this case that there is quote no fundamental right to in person education uh, in New Mexico, and
0: that's because uh, when New Mexico became a state, uh, the constitution was drafted with Zoom in mind. You know they they were that
1: visionary. Uh, yeah, visionary. they were
0: visionary. They knew about Zoom. They knew the internet was coming. It wasn't Al Gore. It was the uh, the the crafters of the constitution in New Mexico. Oh, I forget
1: the guy's name, but the the author of Ben Hur. Oh, uh, uh, yes, Wallace. Lou Wallace. Lou Wallace. Yes. He knew. He knew. All right. Well, um, all I can say about this is that uh, you know we have this uh, Yazi lawsuit out there that requires an adequate education uh, in New Mexico, and that is a standing decision still being uh, addressed by the state. Uh, apparently, adequate and in person are very different things. Uh, I suspect that if there was another approach being taken that the uh, same people arguing that, sure, uh, Zoom education is adequate would not be saying this. If there was a a governor like Susana Martinez who is advocating for enhanced use of virtual learning, et cetera. But uh, it, it is very interesting to see the mental gymnastics being uh, undertaken right now by predominantly folks on the left who right now support, are, you know, full throttle supporting tapping the permanent fund for more pre k spending, more expansion of the education system. Uh, and yet at the same time, they are perfectly comfortable with students who are in the current education system being given what uh, I think for most of them is a very inferior product. There's you know, I'm on the board of a virtual charter school charter uh, virtual schooling can be done right for some children some of the time, but it's not a universally acceptable form of education. Certainly there's areas in New Mexico that don't have adequate Internet connection just for that alone to make it work. So. Uh, well,
0: inadequate adequate in this education discussion, particularly with regard to the Yazzie suit, mm-hmm. has tended to not focus on outcomes. Are, is education right. happening? It's more of the inputs, how much money is right. being put in. So that's the whole other thing. So adequate and in-person, you know, it's like let's take those and set those aside and say what is the uh, academic performance of uh, the education system across the board, however it's being provided.
1: Yeah, and it's uh – it is unfortunate that when it comes to especially education, but so many government programs, it's not what are we getting for the money we're spending. It's how much mo- money are we spending. That is the measuring stick that we use to determine whether we care enough about X, Y, or Z. Right. Uh, so it is one of the many challenges here in New Mexico because when it comes to results, often more money does not, lead to better results. Now, uh, something that could potentially require more money is the purchase of an automobile, and that uh, could be right here in New Mexico sooner than later. Of course, uh, California's governor made I I assume international headlines. He certainly made national headlines that he is going to ban gasoline-powered vehicles by the year 2035. Now, that's Smart move by... Yeah, he'll Gavin. be he'll
0: be long gone, yeah. so he'll get all the kudos, assuming that you're a person that would want to give him kudos for such a Absolutely. forward-thinking policy. When
1: Elon Musk comes up with a super battery that's able to power cars and be green and do all the wonderful things, uh, Gavin Newsom can say, yeah, I was the guy that had that vision way back in 2020 and said we were going to go on a glide path to eliminating the internal combustion engine from California. Uh, our governor made the decision to, by 2022, move forward to 52 miles to the gallon. Uh, that is the fuel standard that she just last year, a little bit you know, back in September of 2019. So we're not talking a long time ago. Uh, she didn't so much as issue an executive order or any formal legal uh, advisory on this, but she said by 2022 model year, Vehicles in New Mexico sold were going to achieve this higher uh, miles per gallon standard. Now, we just uh, kind of at the Rio Grande Foundation were questioning what happened because politicians often make promises, and uh, sometimes we, uh, as in you and I, and a lot of liberty minded folks, hope they forget about them. Yeah. And this is one that we certainly hope that long term is forgotten <laughs> about. But, uh, you know, we're talking next year uh, by this time. Automakers will be selling those 2022 model year vehicles, and we think that New Mexicans should wonder and ask, and somebody should be asking, what's the status of this particular promise? Is this actually something that we're going to do as a state? Uh, but we haven't heard anything from the governor, and uh, you know, this is a very uh, much a looming proposition. And it's one thing to do it when times are great oil and gas money's flowing in but it's another thing to do it when unemployment rate uh, unemployment's in the double digits and uh, I don't know we're we're just asking that question wally
0: yes yeah, so uh, at this point it it has all the legal standing of uh, the king and i so it has been written so it shall be done um hopefully this will go away you know it's one of those the other thing is is that until you ha- you know it's easy to say things like that well that what does it include, you know, uh, business cargo vans, pickup trucks, uh, other vehicles like that? But, you know, just for passenger cars alone, uh, 52 miles per gallon is a pretty darn aggressive. That would, uh, the last I was at a car dealership, that would mean you're probably in the small hybrid mm-hmm. is about the only thing that, uh, could be sold under that. And, uh, you know, the thing about New Mexico is, uh, it is a voluminous. Pl- it is a big place. You know, electric cars, even if they were more affordable, uh, the battery and charging infrastructure uh, both uh, have their down their downsides. So something is going to have to have uh, some uh, gasoline in it, and I think a hybrid is the only way. Hybrids are not really too popular, in spite of the fact that they actually work relatively well. Uh their market share is not you know, it's not like that's the consumer making that choice. So something's gonna to come to a head, or maybe more uh yeah, more positive for the state of New Mexico is that this will just taper off and uh we'll we'll deal with it at another time.
1: Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see uh whether this just goes down the memory hole or if it is something that maybe the governor remembers suddenly after the election of 2020 is in the rear rear view mirror, but uh, you know it is worth noting that on a Zoom meeting, yet another Zoom meeting here this week, the governor, uh, in making a presentation to uh, the uh, climate change organization, she made a statement that New Mexico should transition away from. Fossil fuels. This is the U.S. Climate Alliance. Again, California Governor Gavin Newsom was on the Zoom meeting, a handful of governors from around the West, and uh, yeah, this is all posted at com, and uh, we even point folks to the actual video. The uh, presentation was made on Wednesday, September the 23rd, and the governor says, yeah, we, uh, we should transition out of fossil fuels, which... You know, Wally, as we do head to this election and beyond, I think anybody who does business or lives in New Mexico and cares about the private sector economy has to be wondering what will happen in the 2021 session and beyond if the legislature moves uh, to the left. And the Democratic Party certainly has moved to the left, whether the entire legislature, you know, how successful the Republicans are is an open question. But, uh, you know, when times were good in the oil patch, the governor was their best friend. She loved the money flowing into the state's coffers, and uh, that was 40% of the budget. Now, uh, it is undoubtedly a different time. The price of a barrel of oil is down, production is somewhat down. And uh, it just seems to me that the environmentalists who support our governor and the Democratic Party in general are not going to be content with shutting a coal-fired power plant or two down in the four corners they're going to be coming for the big kahuna and
0: kick, Ned, them, uh, kick gasoline, them while they're down and get you know and here's the thing so you know they talk about we're going to be carbon free by certain dates uh when you're talking about the uh utility industry electricity you know a couple of things one i think that means that uh The New Mexico gas companies of the world may have to, you know, they may have to leave, but if you're just talking electricity, that's one thing. But where is, uh, where are fossil fuels used? They're used for heating in the form of natural gas. And number one, wait for it, cars, cars and trucks, uh, shipping, the whole, uh, the whole gamut of transportation, much tougher nut to crack. And we do have these, uh, what I call aspirational regulations coming into place. Uh, We have no idea how we're going to get there, but when it hits the fan, a lot of these are having uh, at, as they've been put in place in Europe and other places, they've had to back away from them. Once uh, you see how unrealistic they are and the damage that is done. So I have no delusions that any of these uh, high minded proclamations will ever come to fruition, but the way they know they've gone too far is it starts to shut the economy down and people, or people leave the state in the case of the United States, go everywhere else. And they're like, okay, we went too, on far, too far on that. We need to back it off and uh, slow this down a little bit.
1: Yeah, you get uh, a lot of confusion sometimes even among relatively informed people about what various fossil fuels are used for. And oil uh, is used in some New England areas, parts of northeastern uh, part of the country, that use oil for electricity generation. But by and large, the rest of us use uh, some combination of nuclear, coal, and natural gas with uh, some renewables tossed in. And on my way over here, Wally, I was driving down uh, I-40 and saw some windmill uh, blades. Of course, the mining of those blades and all the metals and everything has to be done with fossil fuels. But setting that aside, the manufacturing processes, uh, those semi-tractor trailers were most definitely not uh, electric powered uh, semi-trailers they were fossil fuels so even the renewable industry such as it is gets a lot of its uh, inputs and transportation from the fossil fuel industry and uh, you know i uh, this is kind of high-minded theoretical rhetoric that we're much more used to politicians putting forth 52 miles to the gallon by 2022 is a much more particular and uh you know challenging uh approach to public policy and we'll see if she does that uh speaking of challenges that come up uh sorry I'll... oh no before
0: we leave that i just uh, and i um i'll i'll post it in the uh the show notes uh com. there's the lawrence livermore energy flow chart that uh-huh. you know uh and uh 6th grade it's where do babies come from this is where does energy come from and where does energy go and it's a very it's a fantastic chart it takes the whole United States and it shows all the sources of energy from a source point of view petroleum, natural gas, nuclear, uh, renewables, and then where it goes through the economy. It's pretty uh, yeah. easy to understand. So um, you've probably seen it, but that's just, that's, I found that's the, the best chart to just say, Oh, okay. So here's where the real issue is that we have to, uh, work on if we're, if we're serious about changing the, uh, emissions and the sources of energy in the United States.
1: Yeah. Yep. That is a useful chart. I know what you're talking about. All right. Well, uh, Speaking of policies that looked really fun and exciting when unemployment rates were really low and the oil and gas industry was booming, uh, we have the uh, governor and the legislature. Now, remember, this was a compromise at the time in 2019, but the uh, the minimum wage is going up at the end of 2020 in New Mexico. Uh, It's going to be, as of January 1st, 2021, $10.50. With the following year going to eleven dollars and fifty cents, after that in twenty twenty three to twelve dollars. Now, that plausibly could be fine if uh, you're close to full employment and things are really booming in New Mexico. But uh, I will remind people once again: we are at eleven point three unemployment in the state. Uh, I suspect we are not going to get anywhere near five percent by the end of the year, and I really, and there's plenty of businesses that are struggling and more, you know, theaters and airlines are laying off people all the time. So I suspect we are going to be in a long term economic struggle, let alone a virus related struggle. And, uh, you know, it's just policies that seem really nifty and fun when times are great, then things change. And, uh, I think this is going to be a tremendously harmful, uh, Wage increase mandated wage increase that is going to happen at the end of the year. I really suspect that the Governor will do nothing to address it uh, of course she 's spending all her time uh, trying to convince businesses to do their part to get new mexico 's economy going, let alone uh, what governor's the government 's boot on the neck of businesses is doing, but uh, referencing previous uh, talker in the uh, podcast here but I, I suspect that the governor uh, will allow the minimum wage increases to continue. And, uh, you know, this is kind of a, a one, two, three. Uh, I wish I could say it was just a one, two punch for business. But I think up to now we're we're talking about more of a Mike Tyson situation. We're a fifth or sixth punch in, yes. and uh, they're heavy punches at this point. And this will be a difficult blow for a lot of those businesses, especially small ones, but certainly not limited to them in terms of, uh, how they move forward uh, economically uh, in New Mexico.
0: Well, and one of the other punches that that I think is going to be huge that, you know, frankly may be as big of a weight on economic recovery as these minimum wage increases, possibly a lot larger, is the unemployment insurance. That fund is out of money. And so, uh, you know, where does the money come uh, to replenish that? And so uh, we've talked on the podcast before, if that comes in the form of draconian raises and unemployment insurance for employers, Without, uh, you know, a, a period of time to allow for that or additional monies coming from the CARES Act and other places that potentially could be used to restore that fund. But in New Mexico hasn't, you're going to be faced with higher minimum wage to hire people, lots higher, uh, unemployment insurance potentially. And, uh, thing about the minimum wage is, you know, at least when you pay that to an employee, the employee is getting it right then. And it tends to be a motivator, uh, in, you know, in terms of maybe you could get a, a better employee if the wage is higher, you know, not getting into all those arguments. But that unemployment insurance is just like money you're putting into the system Mm. that, yeah, is there a benefit for it? Yeah, but you as an employer don't see it right then. And certainly the employee you're just hiring doesn't see that as a a big factor and doesn't give you any credit for those rates being a lot higher.
1: No doubt. Now, uh, there are several items that I would like to have discussed, but we are just going to run out of time here. Uh, the Rio Grande Foundation, however, has joined the New Mexico Business Coalition and Power the Future New Mexico. We are circulating an online petition. You can find it at errorsofenchantment.com. Uh, it is a change.org position, and we have the link right to it there. Uh, and the simple pre- uh, simple petition is that we are calling on the governor, Michelle Lujan Grisham, to give up her government paycheck until New Mexico's unemployment rate drops out of the 10 worst in the nation. Now, typically, New Mexico's unemployment rate is among the 10 worst in the nation, and that's just because of our leftist policies that we've enacted, lack of economic freedom, uh, et cetera, et cetera. However, uh, there's plenty of other states with inflated unemployment rates these days that New Mexico, if it were just to... Cautiously, reasonably, start to reopen in a in a stronger, more forward-looking way than the governor has been willing to do to date. We could actually get our unemployment rate moving significantly in the correct direction, which is, of course, lower. But uh, to date, the governor has not done that. And uh, you know, the idea we're all in this together. Uh, we all want to you know, pitch in. Well governor is just one of many government employees who has not really been impacted by the virus and the lockdowns. Uh, she, you know, as a government employee, the governor has been doing just fine during this lockdown. And unfortunately, that is, I think, one of the reasons the pressure has not built, as it may in other states, on the governor to reopen New Mexico, because so many uh, uh, people in this state, are getting federal or state paychecks or local government paychecks and it's like eh, I'm okay. I may be working hard. I may not be working hard, but uh I am getting a paycheck because I am uh getting that sweet, sweet government dollars those government dollars flow into my paychecks. So, the
0: flow of milk and honey.
1: Yep. So uh signed the petition. We're already close to a thousand. I think uh you know, we'll we'll move comfortably past that in the not too distant future. And finally, on the economy uh the legislative finance committee met this week uh and Jim Peach, he's an economist out of New Mexico state. I've met him he's uh you know definitely on the left, but he's uh an you know interesting guy, definitely one of those you know you, the state and the journal seem to settle on one economist over time that's kind of their go to and I think right now, Peach is the go-to in the economics profession. Somebody I'm definitely reaching out to to see if he's willing, he'd be willing to come on the podcast. Uh,
0: and I don't want to jinx it, Paul, but I found Dr. Peach to be approachable and a guy yeah. that you can absolutely have a conversation with. I've had many over the years. And so, yeah, hopefully he will come on and talk about, uh, go a little bit deeper dive into some of the things that were in this journal article.
1: Yeah, agree with him or disagree with him on his conclusions. He makes a lot of points that we've made here, and uh, this will be kind of where we conclude the podcast. But he he noted in his presentation that the pandemic has shifted business activity from smaller to bigger businesses. I don't think that's a real question. Uh, it's just a function of those big businesses You know, the big box stores initially were left open by the governor, while smaller businesses were not. And then, you know, when you come to reopening businesses, often the big businesses have a have more flexibility and uh, ability to respond uh, to the virus and the governor's demands. Uh, Peach also noted that the demand for oil, obviously, we talked about and talk about that regularly, uh, has not recovered and shows no signs of recovering. Commuters are working from home more. Uh, Air travel is way, way down and shows no signs of recovering completely. Uh, And then we see uh, Mr. Peach talk about raising taxes. Now, this is obviously where we uh, (laughs) disagree with him, but he talked about the gas tax, which if you do put the money back into roads, I get, get that point, but uh, if you're looking to fund the rest of government by raising the gas tax and you're just going to divert it into that, that is not going to sit well with a lot of people, including us. But thanks for listening to this week's show. Make sure to get the latest edition of Tipping Point New Mexico by subscribing at Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify. You can post or comment on this and other episodes on Apple, on Facebook, and Twitter, and tell Google Home to play Tipping Point New Mexico. Thanks to Pass Free Marketing for producing this show.